2: This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash popshire.
3: Uh, all right hello everyone welcome to the uh the first academy awards special of uh 2020. Um, that's right. I'm just going to move my microphone away from Aaron's. But um Aaron's here. Hey. Remember Aaron from l- uh, last year when we did the <laughs> from <We're> ages ago. <laughs> uh yeah, so we got Aaron Richardson and uh we're joined not by AJ but by someone even more beautiful. Um this is hey Jess.
1: Hi! Hi! I think it's debatable. AJ's pretty, pretty cute.
3: Yeah. Uh, if you if you do miss AJ, uh, leave a comment. Uh, if you don't, also leave a comment. But uh, AJ uh, couldn't be here uh, today. Doesn't matter why. Um, but yeah. So we're we're making do. Jess has to uh, go to the airport in like an hour, so she might have to run away. Midway through the podcast, but we'll see how long we get go. Um, AJ will still be here in spirit as well, as we have some clips we're going to be playing from him, and also he's editing the podcast. Everyone say hi, AJ. Hi,
0: AJ.
1: Hello, Alex.
3: All right, so the way this is going to work is uh, we're going to, uh, what's the word, like preview or discuss the nine films nominated for Best Picture. Um, So this is our little cheat sheet so that you can listen to this at home. And have some kind of intelligent input to your friends about the films uh, without having to, to watch them all. Or maybe you have watched them all and you want to know what you think of them. Um, so I've seen all of the films. I think Jess has seen, hasn't uh, seen one I've of seen them. I've seen
1: all of them bar Marriage Story.
3: And Aaron, there's a couple that Aaron hasn't had a chance to to see. yet yeah, because we're all working people, I just um, have the least social life.
1: Aaron's been a busy boy.
3: Um, yes okay so uh let's talk about these in the order they fall on wikipedia unless we get bored of that order and then we'll change it so first up we've got ford v ferrari so let's see what aj aj uh thought of ford v ferrari
2: ford v ferrari is easily the least controversial film to be nominated and yet it kind of is the most controversial because it was shocking to see it make the cut because it's like nobody's favorite right Uh, Maybe for that reason it deserves to invest picture. I think it's probably 2019's Bohemian Rhapsody and that it's a pretty simple biopic with some great performances. Uh, You know, it's obviously better than Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's nothing mind-blowing. I probably wouldn't give it any of the awards it's nominated for. What about you guys? Do you think it deserves any of the awards it's nominated for?
3: Um, Okay, so just to be clear, uh, the the awards it's nominated for are Best Picture, uh, Best Film Editing, and the two Sound Awards. Um... So, do we think it deserves any of those?
1: I am furious that this has made the cut over some oh other films. It's like just coming in I... real <laughs> Too fast, too furious. Um, it's such a middle-aged white man film, uh, which <laughs> kind of, yeah, I mean, I guess that why it's it was nominated. Would you say it's the most
3: um, middle-aged white man film in the, <laughs> like, do you think it appeals most to white men out of the, out of the nominees?
1: Y- Keep yes? in mind that a... Joker is nominated. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, well, See middle-aged white men, not young yeah, white true. men. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, they've really got. They've managed to actually cover the whole spectrum of white men, which you know they get a lot of flack for diversity, but I, I, credit where credit's due. <laughs>
1: they've done a lot of diversity within, you know, white men, middle-aged <laughs> white men culture. Yeah,
3: the four, um, like the four quadrants, but all male. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yes, so Ford v Ferrari. um, So, what would you say you liked or didn't like it then?
1: Um, I did not (laughs) care. Like I yeah. didn't just dis- I it didn't matter enough to me for me to either like or dislike this. It was fine. I'm pretty sure I went on my phone after the first like ten minutes.
3: Right, that's interesting because you only started watching the movie like twenty minutes into it.
1: Um, maybe that's why I didn't care about it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, Aaron, you you watched this one as well? Aren't you? Yeah, I
0: have. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, what did you think?
0: Um, I I actually did quite like it. It was um because obviously I was tasked with watching as many movies as I could. It was one of the yeah. ones I chose mainly because I was like. I feel like this is going to be the most easy watch yeah. um which it was to be honest like it's yeah. it's not like challenging or anything <laughs> No like that. it's not yeah. challenging but it's like it's well made it, there are parts of the writing that feel like you know uh the kind of ticking the boxes of screenwriting uh, 302 or whatever but Ooh. um
1: Did you did you feel satisfied at the end of the film like did you find the ending sp- spoilers I guess um,
3: Yeah okay, I guess spoilers for Ford and Ferrari <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um Oh, like the oh – God, I can't even remember his name. Ken. Ken dies at the end uh, in a way that I was just kind of – it felt yeah. kind of a bit meaningless. It should have been That is what more. happened, though. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's it hard when you're adapting a true story with a really unsatisfying ending. Um,
1: but there's ways that you can yeah. write that so that you, you're giving the audience – what they want not in the way that they expect it,
3: yeah, but I mean, like they could just do like they the they end the Le Mans race and then it just like cuts to black and it's like Ken died six months six, later, six months later.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I don't know I mean it. it I kind of like that they kept it in, cause you're like you you assume that the like high point is you know like it finishes, yeah. he wins, and life is good. But you know like it, it sort of makes it more interesting that the death is actually there rather than like in the title. Yeah,
3: but it's interesting how it still managed to have a complete character arc for him.
0: And it was the whole like like
3: Rocky kind of thing of it's not about winning, it's about going the distance. Almost, I mean, they do win, but um uh yeah like this was an interesting movie because this was one this was when the nominees were announced this was the only one i hadn't seen and i was like fuck now i gotta watch ford v ferrari because i like you know it it came out and it kind of went a little bit under the radar it didn't seem like it was getting too much award buzz so i was like cool i can skip this one and then um i watched it and i was like yeah fuck this is great (laughs) like of course it's good it's not for best picture james mangold um directed it it's christian bell and matt damon and it's like yeah, I was enthralled the whole time. I, found it, I I thought it was great.
0: One thing that I think is kind of like maybe not undersold about the movie is like Christian Bale is so good in it, yeah. but he's also just like having a good time, which is probably the yeah. first mm. time I've seen Christian Bale having a good time in a movie and like
1: makes it so much more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely know what you mean. And it's, um,
3: this is another one of those things where it's like, what is good directing and, um, I think like this. This is a well directed movie because it, and I don't give a shit about cars, but I, by the end of it, like it's—I mean, it's not like the most technical problem it's, that they've got. It's like, oh, for, this company's better than us. We want to make something that's better, but they really allow you to get into that world, and and it's, it's it's the script as well as the the direction. But it's like you know, it it allows you to empathize with the stakes, even if you don't care or don't understand it which is i think i think is important i think it's a mark of good directing cuz
0: directing kind of seems to be one of the hardest things to
3: defined just from watching a film
0: mm-hmm. something that i thought about when i was watching this movie as well as a couple of the other nominees is that like there's not an award for like camera work if you know what i mean like yeah. uh, i mean i guess it's sort of hard it falls to... under cinematography yeah maybe. exactly but you know i guess when you think of good cinematography you think of like good beautiful pictures as opposed yeah. to like the way that the camera's moving or whatever and you know yeah i was quite interested to see in ford v ferrari you know the 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 way the camera moves really makes you understand what it's like to drive those cars
3: yeah and i i think that partly comes down to the film editing as well that like the the movement and the and the, da- the choreography of of the camera work you know is 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 decided by the editor essentially um
1: i feel like we'll get like this is obviously we'll get we'll get to this when we get to it but i think like what you've just said kind of culminates in 1917 and yep. what they did with their camera work Definitely. and like in terms of you know combining the beautiful picture but also the motion of the camera you know okay. speaks so much for the film anyway mm, we'll get there yeah
3: for sure um well we can do do 1917 in just a moment i just want to we'll touch on the um will it win its awards um i think so film editing is kind of an interesting one because I, again like editing something that's really easy to say that's a well edited film when it's like uh, Baby Driver or Whiplash and it's a lot of cutting to music and, and things like that. Um, uh, the Jojo Rabbit won the American Cinema Editors Award film uh, award for best edited like comedy or drama, comedy or musical. They do the same thing as the Golden Globes, and Parasite won for like best drama editing. But I mean. I would say don't uh, count out The Irishman, just because mm-hmm. that's, like, Thelma Shoemaker is um, Martin Scorsese, been, been Martin Scorsese's editor for a long time, and it's, like, it, it, making a three three-and-a-half hour film paced well and yeah. hold your attention for three-and-a-half hours is the job of an editor, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Um, and then the Sound Awards, uh, it's not even a competition, it's going to 1917, they always go to war films, if there's a war film in the mm, mix. That's true. Yeah. Um, Although, like I would say, Ford v Ferrari is second for both of them, so it could they could win one or the other. But I would say it's definitely going to favour nineteen seventeen. Speaking of nineteen seventeen, uh, let's see what AJ had to say about it.
2: 1917 is my pick for best cinematography and if it wins i cannot wait for the backlash on twitter when people who usually only watch low budget netflix rom-coms criticize it for being just a gimmicky one take ignoring the fact that this one take was choreographed by who many would agree to be the greatest living cinematographer long live roger deakins i wouldn't be mad if this film won best picture but like with ford v ferrari it almost seems too safe with war movies almost seeming inherently like oscar bait and look 1917 isn't your average war movie i really liked it but i think i'd rather see one of the more conceptually interesting films take out the big prize do you guys agree or does 1917 actually live up to the hype and
3: deserve to win uh all right so 1917 uh we we all saw this in the cinema yeah yep um yeah best cinematography i think it's a no contest yeah um for sure Yeah, so this one best motion picture drama at the Golden Globes, and also Sam Mendes won best uh, director for it, which was insane because the film hadn't come out yet, so everyone just assumed it was going to be like you know (laughs) another whatever war film. But uh, then it came out, and I mean, fuck, I thought it was fucking amazing. (laughs) Uh, What did you guys think?
1: I thought it was yeah, pretty pretty incredible. Um, I actually really really do not like war films in general i just tend to dislike them i hate them i don't know if it's because they make me really upset or if i'm they just always make disinterested the i the like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> <laughs> can't believe you just did that to me on a podcast well um, now it
3: sounds like i've actually outed you as a nut i know all right we'll leave that we'll in leave there. that in there um, <laughs> um
1: <laughs> But this I loved this Jesus It was enough, such man. Thank you Richard Um, It was s- <laughs> Such A personal story And Yeah I think this cinematography Really sold it To me yeah. I mean just give Roger Deakins All of the Oscars Can yeah. can they give him All of the Oscars yeah, I think they can Okay cool And Let's they will
3: that. And they be- They better Uh, Aaron
0: Yeah what do you think Can I come in with a hot take Oh yes I didn't really like it that much Ooh. I thought it was, it was a uh, As a As a war movie It was it was alright. You speaking
3: yourself as a war movie,
0: yeah, as a war movie. <laughs> I thought- <laughs> from my perspective, uh, I was offended. I was disgusted as portrayal of m- myself. <laughs> um, no, um, I think that the decision to make like two people your main character mm. um, is kind of a bad decision in the sense that, like, so you make the whole movie about like them getting to their end goal, right? Yeah. So like they got both they got one or both of them have to be alive at the end right because otherwise you know you're going to finish the movie at like half an hour in so like every kind of bit of danger feels like a kind of false danger because you know to some extent that like they are going to survive because the movie has to finish. Mm. So Whereas where you think something like Saving Private Ryan where it's like a troop of people and any of them could get picked off. Exactly. You know, you mm. have more chance to invest in like their character and you're like, well, I know that some people will make it, but there'll be a couple of people who won't. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, there's two people there and it's like. Well, at least one of these guys is making it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, because Richard, you said something after we watched the movie because obviously there's an amazing trailer shot of him running over the top of the trenches and, you know, as everyone's everyone's advancing behind him and there's bombs going off everywhere and it's crazy. Mm. Um, And you said you were waiting the entire film for that shot. So it's kind of like proves Aaron's point that you were like anticipating
3: in a couple of ways because there is a shot which is actually also on the trailer um when he finally arrives at his destination sports for nineteen seventeen, I guess um when he arrives at his destination but he doesn't realize he's there and there's like a group of men there and one of them is singing and he just sits down and I was like and I I legit when that happened I was like, "Fuck! What a good ending!" And I just thought the film was going to end there with this beautiful song, and then it would be maybe like, "Hey, what's this guy doing here?" You're not sure if he's actually going to even survive another five minutes. um But you know, you'd end with someone walking past and be like, "Oh, what's this guy? i'll oh, check his pocket or something like that," and then we are left to assume that the that the thing is called off, and then he follows them, and I saw the trenches, and I was like, oh, of course." There hasn't been that fucking shot from every trailer yet. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, I've seen this bit from the trailer. But then in the cinema, seeing that that iconic moment, I was like on the edge of my seat. Like I wanted to stand up and cheer because it, it was such a well done moment. I thought that like, and the way he gets like extras just bowl into him, which was mm-hmm. completely unplanned apparently. And it's like people just knock him over. But, you know, when you've got like six to 10 minute takes at a time, you can't. Just be like, oh, sorry, I fell over. Can we start again? You just have to keep going. And it ended up being like the best part of the film. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I thought that was incredible. And then uh, the moment at the end with the brother um, when uh, – what's that guy's name? He's from Game of Thrones. Uh,
1: don't know. Uh, it's like Rob someone, Stark from Game like, of Thrones. John
3: <laughs> Madsen. My... Yep. He's got a name yep. that's real similar to someone else's name. Jo- uh, John Madden. Is it Joel Madden? John Madden. Uh, I think it's John Madden and Joel Madden's the football guy, right?
0: isn't one of them the guy from uh, uh <laughs> oh. what's that movie no the movie the band um uh the two oh guys- the madden brothers yeah from yeah, yeah. Charlotte. yeah
3: yeah 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 someone was well, someone madden i think um yeah i thought that, that was like such a good moment and because i fully went into 1917 just expecting the spectacle the gimmick and then i was really surprised by these moments
1: it's richard Madden. richard madden
3: i should have I have known that um
0: as a richard <laughs> as a richard i
3: feel i felt represented in this film um yeah i I thought uh, there was a lot of really personal drama in this film that i didn't think i was getting going into it so i was i was pleasantly surprised
1: i can kind of see what people well like i don't really give much you know i don't read too much into the whole like gimmicky thing that people have been picking apart in the media and in terms yeah. of the cinematography but we were kind of sitting there in the cinema trying to pick the cuts, which did
3: yeah, that, take that, us but out of it like a little bit. As like people in the film industry, mm. yeah, that's um, right. that you know, it's a fun thing to do, but it didn't take me out of the film. It's um, a lot of people say, you know, like don't don't look in the kitchen of your favorite restaurant or whatever, um, and that like you know, seeing how the sausage is made or whatever. But I find I- I'm so much more into films now that I have some idea of how they're made. You know, mm. um, I find it so like to me the fact that they are because apparently the film is made up of about 40 shots but there's one very clear cut in the middle of the film but um
1: yeah how could that count as one well sh- not, i mean
3: they never really like claimed oh, okay. the, like you know that's the whole thing is continuous and you know more or less we are essentially seeing it from the main character's point of view and he's knocked out for six hours so that's kind of what he saw you know like that's that's how the time passed for him. Um but, yeah, it is like, I find it almost as much of a feat to mask 40 edits in the film than to have shot the whole thing in one take. Mm. Like, I find that, you know, equally fascinating. Um, Yeah, do, do, what, Aaron, do you think that the one shot is a gimmick or?
0: Well, that's, I mean, it kind of is, but I think the, the opposite question you've got to ask yourself is, like, if you were to make that movie with that story and you weren't going to do one shot, mm. how would you do it? Mm. You know, like... I, I'm not sure if it was Roger Deacons or someone else, but, um, you know, there's, like, he, he said something like, there's there's bad cinematography, there's good cinematography, and then there's, like, cinematography that's appropriate for the project. Yeah. And it feels that, like, it, as much as it kind of is, it feels like a gimmick. This this is one of the few times I'd say where it doesn't need... It feels like that was kind of a necessary step rather than, like... Yeah. You it, know? Like, it, it does
3: <laughs> elevate the story in a lot of ways. Like, because obviously the other, the most famous example of a film doing this is um is birdman mm. and that's like it's it's really interesting to see how the two films use the same technique for completely opposite effects like birdman is supposed to feel like a fantasy you're not supposed mm. to be sure really what's real and what's not because of the way it blends everything together whereas this is to highlight the gritty realism of it um and it's i just find it really interesting that you can have that dichotomy mm. yeah
1: yeah
3: yeah um okay so um next up uh should we talk about uh let's go to the irishman just because jess has to just may leave and so we'll do, we'll do the ones that she's saying so um the irishman uh, and here's what aj
0: had to say
2: Of all the films nominated for Best Picture this year, The Irishman is the one I wish I loved more than I did. I feel bad about being so unmoved by this film because on paper it sounds damn well Shakespearean in its story. I think the idea of Scorsese telling this sorrowful tale of a gangster played by De Niro looking back with regret on his life of organised crime is just exhilarating and conceptually transcendent of film as an art form, but... I just didn't really get it. Or It's not until the film's final act where I got it. Where I really started to feel any of that palpable regret and sadness. And it ends on a breathtaking moment. But the rest of the film was at best like a you know competent crime movie. And at worst was chocked with, in my opinion, very off-putting de-aging and old men pretending to be young. As well as a story which I found confusing and difficult to follow. I didn't really follow any of jimmy Hoffa's storyline and that's like 90 minutes of the movie and i watched this uninterrupted in a cinema with no distractions uh, i think i definitely need to watch it again but what did you guys think did you follow along 100 do
3: you get it what awards will it win all right so that's the irishman um that's aj's opinion um the I... irishman aaron hasn't seen this so yeah um but i would love to get your input <laughs> um <laughs>
1: But I also do not feel qualified to talk about this film. Richard and I went to go see it in the cinema and I definitely fell asleep (laughs) uh, through a large portion of this. Yeah, and
3: I think which also like there was like an hour period in the middle where I couldn't focus on the film because I was so infuriated by the fact that I wasn't allowed to move my shoulder. Because Jess was sleeping on it, and if I, I tried to like sneak away from it, she would be like, rah, rah, and I knew she be cranky for like. For, <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, oh my um, god, I'm a terrible person.
3: This film, so it is three and a half hours long. We got to we got to mention that. Um, it, I I'm really glad that out of all of these films, this is the one I'm probably the most glad it exists. I I love the fact that there is a movie that uh, Martin Scorsese has made at this. Uh, time in his life that he's pulled Joe Pesci out of retirement to do like one last y- role like this, that he's worked with Al Pacino now and that, you know, there's another um, De Niro and Scors- Scorsese um, a collaboration since, you know, 95, I think was their last one. And, um, the fact that yeah, like they they needed to be this age to tell this story because it is very contemplative. It's very regretful. It's about someone at the end of their life looking back on on what they've accomplished, and whether or not you know, and how how proud they feel of it or whatever. And and it's it could only be made by these people. It could only be made by them now. And um, yeah, it it, it, it is hard because it is like. I, I I yeah we saw it in a cinema and I wouldn't have been able to watch this at home. But I I part of me does really want to rewatch it, and part of me doesn't want to sit through it again. Yeah, we uh, should yeah.
1: rewatch it in four segments. I think I think Aaron, you'd actually really love this. Yeah, I think this would be like totally your thing. Yeah, because um,
3: you love like boring shit.
1: No, it's like the, the you have <laughs> the worst <episode>. <laughs> <laughs> Like the writing is really beautiful. But I agree with AJ. Have you seen, like, any of the trailers or anything? Nothing. No. The de-aging is quite distracting, yeah. I found.
3: Yeah. So the de-aging, I, like, it I, I should be mentioned, AJ has, like, a sixth sense for de-aging. There's so much stuff where AJ's like, I couldn't watch the film because that was so bad and I, like, didn't notice it or d- don't really care, whatever. Um, But, like, The Irishman, there, there is a few, like, really egregious shots and I think... um the effect is a lot better on uh De Niro, um, Pacino and Pesci than it is on De Niro.
1: Absolutely, um,
3: yeah. Like, is one of those ones where you think that, oh, that's, a, that's not a D-age shot, and then you see a side-by-side side of how he actually looks now, and you're like, fuck, they did a good job. Um, And also, I think for a lot of older people watching it as well that grew up with these actors, that you have to remember that he's not playing a 40-year-old Robert De Niro, he's playing a 40-year-old Frank Sharon who... Because Robert De Niro, when he was younger, was quite a wiry, like thin, you mm-hmm. know, young man, and whereas Frank Sheeran has always been a, a big powerhouse, he's he's like a big tough guy kind of thing, and so he's not. Even though you know, there 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 are some bits where you're like that's clearly a seventy six year old man beating beating up a, a shopkeeper, um, but you know he does move slower and he's he's got a lot more weight to him. And I think they did a pretty good job at emulating the feel of of the characters of the different ages but having said that yeah some of the de-aging is really distracting but to me it's just a necessary tool to tell this beautiful story and i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find
1: anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me
2: in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
3: Like, while, while like AJ, there were big parts, big chunks of the film where I was completely lost. The last half hour of it is probably the one of the best things I've seen all year. It's so, like... This is why you, you, you had to tell this story for three hours to have this last last half hour and to have it work the way it does. Um yeah, and will it win any awards? Like I said, um could win editing, I think. But editing's kinda of, kind of a tricky one. I think it uh if Brad Pitt wasn't finally winning his legacy Oscar this year, Joe Pesci would have uh, supporting hands down because he's so good in this movie. Mm. Um yeah, but then it, this is this is one of those two ones that when it, when it was first released, everyone was like, it was like, give this all the awards, it will win Best Picture. And it's not like the movies gotten worse or necessarily better films have come out. It's just it didn't do too well on the campaign trail and it hasn't kept in people's minds. The same thing happened with A Star Is Born last year. And there's actually, there's a few movies like that this year that could be the the cut and dry f- uh, front runner if they'd just campaigned better. And yeah. Because A Star Is Born last year, like it was better than Green Book. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. but you know Lady Gaga just became a meme because she kept on telling that 100 people in a room story um alright well I'll stop rattling on about that film Uh, (laughs) now and uh, okay next one you've seen Jojo Rabbit Aaron? yes I have alright let's move on to Jojo Um, Rabbit
0: back in the game
2: (laughs) (laughs) I really love Jojo Rabbit I think it's definitely the most AJ film nominated as it really appeals to what I look for in a film like it's sense of humour is great especially in that it centres around a kind of risky concept but it completely justifies tackling the issues that it tackles because the emotional parts of the film prove it's hard is in the right place and i really love the heart of this film i think this is taika waititi's best film to date and has some of my favorite characters of 2019 with like Jojo and Scarlett Johansson's character and Sam Rockwell's character and Thomason McKenzie's character all giving stellar performances and they all have like super rich character arcs and this is you know not even mentioning the baby Nick Frost kid or Tiger's Hitler so does this film appeal to you guys in the same way it did to me and what awards would you like to see it win uh, I'd like to see it take out Best Adapted Screenplay that could be cool and I I was also really impressed with Scarlett Johansson and was glad to see her nominated for best supporting actress
3: nice um, yeah Jojo Rabbit uh,
0: what's, what,
3: Aaron yeah what do you
0: think um, I think it's interesting what AJ said I think I'd, I would t- disagree that um, that it's an AJ film <coughs> that's <it's> an AJ <laughs> film uh, for I am an AJ film um, <laughs> no that it, it can be let off the hook for tackling difficult issues because it's hearts in the right place I think I think ultimately it kind of fails to set as satis- like to deal with what it it sets out to tackle in a satisfactory way. Like, you know, it's a difficult thing because like, you know, because of the rise of right wing hate speech. It's like, is it ever appropriate to like, you know, not make Nazis the worst guys in the world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you're the expert i was
1: still holding up hope that aj could cut that out eventually somehow
0: well he could cut this out but he's not aj don't no but please he's aj
1: um
0: yeah like he made nazis fun and they never really got a comeuppance which i think is like a kind of difficult line to tread when you make it like yeah. it's fun and cool and they're like they're just like cool guys you know
3: yeah yeah um yeah I, I i get where you're coming from um but then there is the same kind of thing that i and i think this is sort of Tiger's stance is that like we all know what the nazis did like we don't need to have every film you know just be about the horrible things they did this is like a film that i i guess the core message of this film is like how dumb is is hate when you really think about it Mm. And, and, and they use like showing how silly the Nazis are, like Rebel Wilson's character, I'm so dignified because uh, Jews are so beneath me, and it's like, well, you sound like an idiot, like because when you when, when you really boil down the like I- ideologies of Nazism and just hate in general and like prejudice and, and bigotry, it's like this this is so dumb, you know.
1: What did you think of Sam Rockwell's character?
3: um sam rockwell is the king of um the, the most deplorable characters with amazing character arcs like this and and three billboards oh my god his like sam rockwell was like oh yeah cool fun character sam Rockwell's always good and then his last scene where he because he he's he's you know that's the subtext of the film but he's a victim of the, the prejudice as well um and yeah his last scene where he he manages to redeem himself i thought was fucking amazing Mm. um i agree with aj that this is tiger's best film i um i didn't put this in my top 10 of the year and i like have no idea why i I, it could easily be subbed in for like almost any of these films
1: this is tied in first place for me Mm. i freaking loved this it was i thought about it for so long afterwards i just thought the writing was beautiful it was shot amazingly the twist with the shoes holy shit how gut-wrenching is that
3: yeah that uh, then that's i mean i I don't know if we're doing spoilers or not for jojo because we're kind of doing off and on spoilers but like um yeah like there's there's a a, uh there's not so much a twist it's just like a development in the middle Mm -hmm. of the film that that completely changes everything um and it's one of those ones where you're like it was so obviously signposted that like how did i not that this was coming um yeah but that's the
1: thing it's like you did I was like you did and you were dreading it and you were holding out hope the entire time and then it was just like I guess that's kind of comes in and ties into what you were saying Erin where I feel like it does hit on some things in the right way that in the way that they intended to as well as being able to create a film that you can actually watch and absorb and not just shut it out. You know how like some films, that's just so horrible and yes, it shows the grisly bits, but people just shut it out because they don't want to see it. And I think this breaks through that barrier by using comedy and using all those techniques to actually reach a common audience.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my thing would be like, it just felt like the wrong, yeah, I uh, yeah I understand what you're saying. There are definitely like beats of it that are like beautiful and emotional. Like as a piece of emotional storytelling, I think it's really great. But I think as a piece of like anti-right uh, wing satire, it just it's too like silly and screwball-y that it, like lets them off the hook. You know, whereas like if you compare it to something like um uh ianucci's last the death of stalin Mm -hmm. you know like that's a comedy as well but you also really get the like idea that these guys are actually just like bastards you know and like you know you can there's a balance there because it's a sort of darker form of comedy i think um Mm. yeah which is my only concern but having said that i do think this performance by scarlett johansson is much better than her performance in marriage story um i think it's really underrated it's just such like a a beautiful kind of light there's a real warmth to it yeah Mm. exactly which is like it seems like she's doing nothing but like she she's definitely working very hard
3: Mm. interesting yeah the um yeah, it was, so uh, she had never been nominated for an Oscar before, and she's nominated for two this year for lead and supporting actress, which is, a, I think, she's the ninth woman to do it. I think the twelfth person overall, um, which is interesting. That happens a lot more for women than men.
1: Yeah, so what, I'm
3: flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's because there's less female performances each year that are they're like, fuck, just Chuck Scarlett in again. Um, so it's actually, <laughs> it's actually oh, it's a the form ratio Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, it, it's also interesting that AJ like listed all the great things about this film, and he's like, "Oh," and also without even mentioning Tiger's Hitler, which I thought was the worst part of the film. Like, this is uh, such a good story without that. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, and it's I, I I always find this like watching interviews with Tiger and stuff like this, and maybe this is why I left it out of my top ten, is that he just seems to he's such a talented filmmaker, but he just he can't take things seriously. And like, I I would be so fascinated to know about his process and how he goes from making what we doing in the shadows to uh, Thor Ragnarok, you know, Mm. like I would love to get some insight into that, but he just like kind of makes silly noises and and makes jokes about everything. And sure, there's a place for that. And I think it's actually kind of worked against him with Jojo Rabbit a little bit is that people go, oh, the guy that did. What We Do in the Shadows and Thor Ragnarok is making a Nazi movie. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. And so when it first premiered, people were like, oh, oh I don't think this movie is very good because they didn't understand that, like, Taika actually is an incredibly talented dramatic filmmaker, um, but he just has this, this sense of humor as well. Like, I, I didn't watch Boy for years after it came out and- then I was, I watched, and I was like, "This is fucking depressing as hell." Mm. And pe- mm. and people were telling me it was the funniest fucking movie of the decade, and I was like, "What the hell? Am I watching the same movie? Because this is real sad." Um, and I think that that yeah, that, that's kind of a it's a real Kiwi thing as well to do that. Mm. Um, but
1: <laughs> sweep it all under the rug yeah, of oh, comedy. <laughs> don't, don't deal don't with talk your emotions <laughs> um,
3: Yeah, he. Um, what was I saying yeah the the uh Tiger Hitler is like once you've seen once you've heard the premise and then you see the first promotional image and then you see the trailer by the time you see the film you're like oh okay yeah yeah Tiger's playing Hitler like cool what else are you doing with the idea and then you watch the movie like oh, okay nothing like it's just the fact that it's how wacky is it that this guy's playing Hitler um except for the fact that in his last scene it get, and he comes in real hot telling jojo that he's fucked up by or that, that the nazis are losing it gives jojo a like uh, an external way to uh, denounce nazism because otherwise it would just be you'd have this moment where he like takes off the jacket and he goes mm, and then walks outside or whatever but this actually has a reason to be like no fuck you he does say fuck off Hitler and kicks him out of window, which I thought was like a real cool moment. And then it's done really silly. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it's, I felt like after that scene, I was like, okay, this is why he's in the movie just for this one scene
0: hmm. yeah. well yeah i mean i guess it's always the like the thing with imaginary characters right it gives you an opportunity to externalize the like internal conflict hmm. of someone also i should point out that i actually really do like jojo rabbit as a movie um i'm just like concerned by the like politics of it i guess more yeah. than anything
1: and i think that's very valid yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Aaron's valid. no, i don't think my, i don't think my opinion is valid Um, alright next up we got little woman saying that in my Kiwi accent little with two d's
2: Little Woman is a beautiful film, and no matter what it wins or what nominations it was snubbed in, I really hope this movie is indicative of what's to come in film in the future. I'd love to see more sweet and wholesome Oscar-type movies in the 2020s. The fact that Greta Gerwig was snubbed for Best Director is baffling to me, especially when you can feel her directorial voice in the film far more than you can feel some of those nominated. Uh, It's become a perfect microcosm, I think, for what's broken about the system, and has really highlighted the the inherent sexism and 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 bigotry and prejudice in the academy the fact that todd phillips was nominated over greta gerwig shocks and embarrasses me uh how would you guys describe her directing style i'm interested to hear what you guys thoughts are on this and what awards will it take home if any uh
3: okay that's little women so this has six nominations um i feel like aj really needs to be here for this one because uh aaron you haven't seen it I, how did you feel about it?
1: I mean, I really enjoyed it, but Mm. I wouldn't say it's my type of film. But I enjoyed it as much as I could without it being.
3: Without not liking it. Something that I'm,
1: no, 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 you know, it's, I have a thing against like period, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, i know what you mean yeah
3: yeah well because i know aj loves this film like he's been going on about it and like how it's this new wave of i mean you kind of see it touched on there that are like um period films that aren't just for your mum. Mm. and so it's like the favorite was one this is one and then like emma's coming out which looks like a quirky adaptation of a, of a jane austen novel but um something about little woman just didn't quite click for me um the uh, the end is kind of weird, like how it takes the story to this random meta place. Um and yeah, I
1: I feel like I need to read the book to appreciate this yeah. film more. Because I wanna understand more about uh sort of Greta Goig's direction i'm not the person to talk about this i don't understand direct, like directing and the yeah. nuances of that at all um but i think from what i understand the original text is about i think she's done an incredible job
3: but yeah that's my understanding as well
1: and it's i mean it it i like speaking as a woman it kind of makes you feel a little bit hopeless really because really that she's i mean what are, what are we supposed to do Women create these amazing pieces of art, and then they're just like, oh, you know, whatever, mm. overlooked because of gender, which yeah. is, I think, one hundred percent what has happened here, and it is. But
3: yeah, little little women's hard because it's like it, for me it is the hardest one to talk about because I am so unsure how I feel about it, and uh, because also, also I mentioned this on the most disappointing podcast, but um i watched we watched the first 40 minutes of this and then jess got sick so we had to go home and then we had to watch it again and that first 40 minutes i was like ah aj went on about this so much like aj really talked this up and i'm not getting it and then like the first line of dialogue that we saw for the first time the second time we went like the the first one that we that we missed is like what I would say the first interesting plot beat of the of the film. What was that? Um, when uh, Amy vows revenge on Joe for uh, yeah, um, not okay. including her, and that's what, like when their relationship really Falls deteriorates, apart. and that's like kind of almost. I guess it's, it takes us into Act Two. I guess mm-hmm. um, because also yeah. So the original book is just like it takes place when they're when they're little women, and then and then cuts to their slightly bigger woman and whereas the um the movie cuts back and forth between them um and it sounds like like it's one of those things you watch the movie and you're like this is this is how the story's supposed to be told mm. um i can't imagine watching it or like reading it in any other way um
1: and the performances that she got out of those actresses is incredible yeah i mean oh that
3: that cast is incredible florence
1: Pugh is oh my god she needs to be the biggest star in the world right now
3: um but yeah like laura dern meryl Stroop, saoirse ronan timothy chalamet um uh emma watson (laughs) um it's funny because aaron you haven't seen it but so the the four sisters saoirse ronan um florence Pugh emma watson and like a, a, a newcomer one the one hasn't been as much i can't remember her name um i'll look it up right now um but anyway it's very clearly like three really good actors and emma watson oh my God. um like it's eliza scanlon yeah it's her name yeah um yeah she's she gets left behind yeah like yeah she she it was originally actually emma stone um but she pulled it she had to do the favorite um interestingly um Yeah, this this film is. We're talking about the the female director thing because yeah, that is the most egregious snub. And it's like, okay, if the Academy thinks that two of these performances are award worthy and like her script is incredible and it's nominated for best picture, it's like, yeah, they probably should think it's the one of the best directed films of the year. I don't. Why do you think they don't? Well, yeah, no, they're like it's it's sexism, obviously. Mm, Okay. Um, but. I'm. I'm just saying that there is an argument to be made for her not being, this not being one of the five best directed films of the year.
1: Who are the I, other nominees? Um. So the nominees Sorry for, for to-
3: best director are Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, and Bong Joon-ho. Um. Mm. So Todd Phillips is the one for Joker. Is the one yeah. that everyone's kind of like he shouldn't be there. Um. Yeah, I do think that there's a couple of other women that I would probably put over Greta Gerwig. I'm not saying that no woman should be nominated. I'm just saying that if you would put one in, Greta Gerwig maybe necessarily wouldn't be at the top of my list because there are a couple of weird choices in the film that I was like, oh, okay, that's I don't know. What, I am not 100% sure you way to that. But like Celine Skauma for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Lulu Wong for The Farewell, um, even Mario Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A lot of these things are like,
1: yeah,
3: there is, there is a very talented pool of women. And they could all be the the, the, the five nominees. Um,
1: Actually, with you saying yeah. that, yeah, Portrait of a Lady on Fire was the other tied first favorite film of last year for me. It was life changing, yeah. I think.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, it's a French film, which also which isn't nominated for Best Foreign Film because of how yeah. the Academy works. They only let each country submit one film for consideration and France picked a different film
1: there's lots of disappointments this year for me
3: <laughs> not just with the oscars um, <laughs> um yeah okay but um yeah having said that like having said all this and like my kind of on the fenceness about little woman like don't let that put you off it is an incredible film i did really enjoy it but just something about it and not and I, it, it's not a sexism thing <laughs> um there's yeah i don't know maybe it was just the conditions i watched it under that I didn't have a chance to fully invest in it the first time I saw it, and then the second time I saw it, I was kind of just waiting for the first forty minutes to be over um, mm. so that I could start seeing new stuff. so yeah,
1: I am sorry. and for the record, Richard was a very good boyfriend. <laughs> I developed a terrible migraine, and Richard had to take me home and I could barely see. so um, um thank you. yeah,
3: so I'm sorry, little woman stands, but I, I, I this this is my Irishman. I, re- I wish i loved this film more than i did but I, and I can't even pinpoint why i did which sounds like i'm being sexist and, and, and not realizing it but i'm not um uh, i mean i wouldn't that's what a sexist person would say wouldn't it anyway i'm gonna move on from that um okie dokie so uh we'll talk about parasite now as well um because Juice gotta go soon oh then... it's okay
1: uh emma's flight's actually been delayed 15 minutes oh okay so I uh, you got an extra 15 Well, we will talk about
3: parasite anyway <laughs>
2: in a perfect world parasite would win best picture no question this movie taking out the big award would win so much good faith back for the academy which they seem to lose every year when filmmakers who are women or people of color continue to be ignored a foreign film with a message so poignant and pertinent to today's big societal woes getting best picture would be perfect and allow for more people to see this film who maybe wouldn't check it out otherwise i've not met a single person who doesn't like this movie and there's this kind of david of david and goliath vibe to it that really makes it feel like it deserves to be immortalized in like an official way not that it isn't already uh, best international film is surely locked in but what other awards would you like to see it win uh, what other awards should it have been nominated for a lot of people are saying that the actors should have been nominated and i think i agree with that too
3: um okay so parasite uh i 100% think it's the best film of the year it's fucking amazing um bong Joon ho incredible the film's so chock full of twists and turns amazingly directed so well written it's just a wild thrill ride and it is best going into it knowing nothing um jess what did you think of it? because i know you weren't super crazy about it
1: yeah well i went into it sort of purely this was just i think i was in a real bad mood that day and we were like, sit down and watch this amazing movie. And I was kind of like in a grumpy, like.
3: Because I took her phone off her, so she had to pay attention to the yeah, movie. Yeah. And I was like, grumpy,
1: like, <laughs> I don't want to fucking do this right now. Um, but at about the halfway point, I was so uh, like enthralled with the movie. It was, it really grabbed my attention. And yeah. it's incredible. You had, I had no idea what was going to happen next. And it yeah. had, it was literally the most terrifying thing I did all year, I think, because <laughs> it was oh man like your heart just sits in your throat the entire time and yeah. it is terrible and amazing
3: yeah every time you think you know where the film's about to go it goes completely in another direction and um
1: it is like that it's just like the perfect suspense the yeah. entire is held the entire way through. and also
3: like the other thing about this film is it's so funny yeah it's so funny and um if you go and watch this film i recommend looking into um a lot of the like Korean specific references that are made in the film um because there's a lot of jokes that because Bong Joon-ho doesn't really um he doesn't like hold your hand through it in in a sense he's he's telling a story with a universal message told in Korea and you know but it it ends up being universal and so he doesn't Americanize any anything in it super um, or he doesn't like take out Korean specific references. He just kind of expects everyone to be able to, you know, watch a foreign film. But there are like a few little jokes that take on another level when you realize the context. Like there's, for example, there's a um, there's a line in the film. Um, he, uh, one of the main character gets hired as a driver, and the person he's driving says, "Oh, do you know these roads?" And he says, "Everything below the thirtieth parallel." And it's like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. He just must know this area of town everywhere. Well. But that's the line that divides North and South Korea. So he's saying he knows every road in South Korea. And so it's like things like this that are like colloquialisms, or like mm. you know, then it's, it's fun watching the movie, knowing a little bit more. There was a Reddit thread a while ago. If you you probably find it if you just Google like South Korean references in Parasite. Um,
1: have you have you you, you haven't watched this one? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, also because the dynamic between the father and the son is kind of like a joke within itself, yeah, right? Yeah. There's a scene where the son's sort of writing a script for the father to act um, into the yeah, mother he's, of the family. Yeah, cause helping him, yeah, directing him essentially. Basically, yeah. And it's, um, but the actor that plays the father is this like, huge, established –
3: He's like South Korea's Al Pacino.
1: Yeah, and yeah. so it's like this newcomer teaching of – you know how oh, how to, how to like act. a scene
3: where he's like no no you I need to act like this yeah,
1: yeah yeah you need to bring it down you need to be up here like oh it's yeah. so good and that, that one scene where they're trying to get the mum to replace the uh the nanny the housekeeper yeah, the housekeeper, yeah. is so awesomely edited yeah, like richard you can like speak more minute. on this but
3: yeah well since i'm a professional editor, a professional um, sure. yeah it's like a six minute montage and it's like so perfectly done you could just watch it as like this little short film but yeah Aaron like you seriously you should go out and watch this film because it is like it is incredible and it, and it actually does stand a chance at winning Best Picture um, it won the Best Ensemble at the Screen Actors Guild Awards um, which is one of those ones that you know people say that's like a key win if it's like an ensemble movie um, but and it's the first, first uh, foreign film to do so uh, it also won the Palm d'Or at uh, Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival, um, which seems like a any you know, which is one of the most prestigious awards in filmmaking. And it seems like oh yeah, fuck it. it's a show and then. But uh, only one film has ever won the Palm d'Or and gone on to win Best Picture, and that was in 1955. Um, so I mean, I, if anything, it's a fucking death curse for the film. Um,
1: what do you think you'll be most heartbroken to be <laughs> voted Best Film above this um, Best
3: Picture? Well, once we've gone through all the things, I'll because I'll, really, I think my might as well say now. Uh, the best picture is can only essentially go to Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or 1917. I think at this point,
1: if it goes to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that is the biggest fucking circle jerk I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to say too much about more about Parasite because I fucking love it so much and I want it to win every award. And anyone should just go out and watch this if you haven't. Um, so let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because a lot of people are saying this is out of the race for Best Picture now because it hasn't picked up a couple of those key awards on on the campaign trail. But I it never
1: will be because it's Hollywood.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a Holly Hollywood loves period films and they love films about Hollywood and they love uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and they love Quentin Tarantino, but they haven't had a chance to give them Best Picture yet. Uh, before we move on, I uh, will. Um, let's see what aj thought of the film um and then we can hear from aaron again
1: yay <laughs> AJ's been asking us a lot about like what awards we think things should win and i feel like we haven't been talking about <laughs> that at all
3: um well once we've once we've done um all nine things yeah, we'll go through yeah, each category yeah. okay, and see okay. what we reckon we'll win and here's aj on once upon a time hollywood I feel pretty conflicted
2: about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or maybe I don't feel conflicted maybe I just didn't like it. Um, I spent most of the film trying to figure out if I was enjoying it or not and trying to figure out the subtextual meaning of every scene because so much of it feels so narratively aimless as it meanders from moment to moment that it it must mean something right it must mean something i'm not understanding i enjoyed some of the acting and uh, i'm not sure about the ending and while i regard myself as more or less a tarantino fan everything this film is good at was done better in pulp fiction or inglorious bastards um do you guys see what those praising this film see and if so what exactly is it they see in my heart of hearts i'm not sure i'd want this film to win any of the awards it's nominated for in particular i just think whatever it's nominated for it's you know it's not my first pick in
3: any of those categories yeah so aaron once upon a time in hollywood go
0: <laughs> lay it on me <laughs> um i love once upon a time hollywood so yeah. much and i don't like quentin tarantino any of his other movies really not one of his other movies appeals to me i know crazy yeah every time this morning whenever you're listening to this (laughs) or the afternoon um yeah every time i hear aj with his like intros i'm like what is going on today (laughs) never has hot takes um yeah i thought it was amazing um Yeah, I thought it was great. And I think my thing about it is that um, people talk about how it doesn't really have a plot or that it seems aimless, right? But I think traditional stories are basically they're basically one thing they take you from a to b you know what a is because you're introduced to it at the start but you have no idea what b is whereas this is like the complete opposite you like go into the movie knowing or thinking you know what b is i.e., the end of the movie because like you're basically it's a historical event and you know what will happen whereas like that kind of you you have that feeling of like inevitability throughout the whole of the movie so like the, uh, the like a through to be can be whatever they want it to Mm. be and it's sort of i mean i think it's about you know it's about a lot of things it's like you know a a mid-tier actor You know, whose life is fundamentally uh, meaningless, Um, who like maybe if at the end, probably spoiler alert, in like reality, he did save Sharon Tate, then, you know, he'd be infamous. But like in in the reality of this world, there's just this guy living his life. And, you know. Did that speak to you a lot? Yeah, I was like. as as a mid-tier actor unsatisfied with his life mid-tier more like low-tier um (laughs) no but there's also the scene in the caravan was like holy fuck this is so what it's like when he gets when he 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 fucks up his line yeah he comes in there he's like you can
3: goddamn fool yourself (laughs) goddamn people i've watched that clip so many times because i've been been editing a video about once upon a time in hollywood and i've seen that clip so many times it's so good um yeah just what did you think
1: I am having very contradictory. Uh, lay, it, lay, you me, tonight, lay it on Aaron. me, brother. Yeah, lay it on me, because you were
3: pro Nazism at the start. I remember. <laughs> yeah, and Aaron, Aaron's famously <laughs> anti Nazism. <laughs> yeah. um. Like the annoying thing is though that you can't joke about people being Nazis anymore because no. people actually are Nazis again. Like ten years ago, I'd be like, oh, of course, Jesus isn't a Nazi, please don't and now it's a like, Nazi. oh, fuck, Jesus might actually be a Nazi. <laughs>
1: Um, But she's not. uh, Thank you for clarifying. Thank you. Um, I thought this was really boring. It was the it was too slow for me. We watched it with Jeremy Lord, and Lord was sitting in front of us. I was more entertained by Lord sitting in front of me, just staring at the back of her head, than the the film. Yeah, when
3: she she laughed when Zoe Bell came on screen. Zoe, stop casting me in Tarantino movies. Bell, God, man.
1: That was a bad part, The but yeah, the Kiwi
3: stuntwoman. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the a, The accent is real; oh, it stands so out, man. When she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like,
1: oh. What the fuck? And but we're yeah. just
3: sharing a scene with like Kurt Russell and Brad Bird's, like, you can't keep up. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry.
1: Oh, that's all right. It's just that Jeremy leaned over to me halfway through and was like is it just me or is this fucking boring? And I was like, yeah, mate. I, for once, agree with you. (laughs) Um, It was, I just just didn't get it. I didn't get it at all, I think. It, you know, wraps up in a nice little bow the naivety of Hollywood, but that is the only thing I got from it.
3: I, um i yeah i'm i'm conflicted on this movie a little bit like aj but i I find myself conflicted in the reverse of almost everyone else i love the idea of a three hour hangout movie that only takes place over three days what i'm not huge on is this super over the top fight scene at the end oh my Um, god
1: that is definitely like the polar opposite i wish the entire movie was that 10 i wish the
3: entire movie was 10 hours long and it was we saw every single moment of these people's days um I, I love that I love I I'm uh I'm a ta- a dialogue Tarantino fan not not so much an action Tarantino fan mm-hmm. um I still think Inglorious Bastards is his best film um this is probably my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio role um I think he's he's incredible in this and his his portrayal <gasps> of Holy an actor shit. who's uh unsure of himself and i i love the way like he has this the stutter that that goes away when he acts and you you really get that kind of sense of his character and everything and i yeah yeah i i
1: has leo redeemed himself no god no
0: not at all um But yeah, I... So it wasn't that good of a performance. No. This is the thing as well, like, you know, because he because Leo finally got his Oscar, he can like actually do interesting movies that aren't him be, just being like, mm. please, have I done yeah. enough?
3: Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it's an interesting character study rather than just like, look how hard I'm acting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, It's also interesting as well, because Brad Pitt is going to win Best Supporting Actor for this. In mm. um, A Perfect World, I think Joe Pesci would win it for uh, The Irishman, but... Uh, Yeah, it was an interesting role because he's incredible in this movie and his character is just fucking awesome. But I don't know, like, it's not a particularly incredible performance. Yeah, I
1: I feel like maybe I should watch this again because I went into it differently with the wrong mindset. Because, you know, I had in my head Sharon Tate and I'm such a massive true crime fan that I was really excited for some development where really that was a minuscule part of the plot. Yeah. So maybe I should go into it not thinking about that. I also think,
3: as well, that. because you know his whole like rev- revisionist history movies, mm. like *Inglorious Bastards*, is like you see Hitler get gunned down in a movie theater, and you're like, "Yeah, fuck you, Hitler." I mean, I don't know what you were like, just but um, <laughs> um, and then you watch, um, this, and they're beating the shit out of these women. And you're kind of like, well, that's a bit gratuitous because I think it's less in the public mindset who exactly these they three are. people that came to the house were. Yeah. We all know who Charles Manson is, but like those three people that went to murder and, and on in real life murdered Sharon Tate, the, um, they're real people and they're getting what they fucking deserve in this movie. But in this, it's just, you know, I think it's, it's one guy and two uh, one guy and two girls mm. um, and it's just like a bit like, oh, fuck. But um, and so I think, I think that's maybe what took me out of it a little bit. If I did more research into it and knew who those people were. I think I would probably be able to come to terms a little bit more with the ending of the film, but also there's, there's nothing like that in the entire movie leading up to that. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I love a good, like hangout movie, like, um, boyhood or, um, yeah, most a lot of the works of Richard, Richard Linklater, um, the, that kind of a genre of life with the interesting parts taken out, um, and also, fun fact about this film because it takes place just on three three separate days, two um, one after the other, and then the third one's like six months later or nine months or whatever. But um, first one's my birthday, nineteen sixty
0: nine. Happy birthday!
3: To you. <laughs> <laughs> years before I was born, but um, sixty nine. Yeah, it is. Um, it, like it, it is a great movie, and and because I've been sort of revisiting all the all the best picture winners um, for a project I'm working on at work. Um. And every time I, I sort of pull footage out from one of them, I'm like, you know, fuck you. Yeah, this is a good movie. Mm. Um,
0: Aaron, as an
3: actor and a, and a writer. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this film uh, for, like, the Brad Pitt performance?
0: I think it's, yeah, I think it's similar to. Um... The performance that I was talking about earlier on where he's just having fun. Uh yeah, from 4th Fever Right. It's kind of yeah. similar to a Christian Bale film where like he's obviously just like having fun and living. Mm. And I think Yeah, there's this really interesting line, and I think it's kind of maybe articulated well from last year's, like, best actor winner versus, like, who we think should have won. You know, Mm. um, there's the kind of uh, um, Timothy Chalamet line where, like, Mm. you're kind of basically playing yourself, but you're doing it in, like, a really interesting, fun, great way. It's that's one of those, you're the only person that could have done this. Exactly, Yeah. yeah, versus the, like... I'm putting on a character yeah. kind of a, an ethos. And I think, yeah, I mean, people who disparage the role, uh, I, I think, um, you know, it doesn't seem as much of a workout to do the role, you know, yeah. but that's not to say that the role itself isn't uh, like immaculately fulfilled. Yeah.
3: Because it's like, yeah, well, what, what that character is supposed to achieve and make you feel, it does perfectly. Like yeah. he's just, everyone wants a cliff berth in their life. Yeah. Just this like super supportive dude bro that just hangs out with you um but also kind of works for you um and so and it's it's also as well jeremy sort of i can't remember if he actually mentioned on the podcast but um what we talked about afterwards that it's this weird kind of um like anti-hippie movie and like and like men should be men men should get up on the roof and fix an aerial and they should punch long-haired dudes in the face and it's like like the movie really glorifies like it's because it's 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 Tarantino's love letter to cinema, but it's also one way of looking at it is that it's like Tarantino's love letter to back when men were men, and yeah, and because because the the whole Rick Dalton character, he's like demeaned by having to put on a long haired wig at one point to play a sort of like hippie villain.
0: Yeah, but I think it's also a throwback to a time when like you know large Hollywood stars were actually still like conservatives you know that kind of you know i mean ronald reagan for example was like a western movie star and he was like a man's man and Mm. obviously you know a a, a republican leader of the of the free world yeah but it is interesting in in
3: 2019 to make a movie that has that kind of like undertone
0: yeah that's true and
3: like it, it feels to go against what hollywood wants to be seen as you know the, yeah, the values they as they want toxic, to be seen as having
1: toxic masculinity.
3: Yeah, but then it's also yeah. like I wouldn't say oh there there is, Cliff does have some toxic masculine moments. I think yeah for sure. Um, yeah, so that's that's Once Upon a Time Hollywood. Hmm. Um, I think this probably has a pretty good chance at original screenplay as well. Um, hmm. just because again it's like. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this just cleaned up the Oscars because it's Tarantino's second to last film. It's about Hollywood. It's going to be one of their last chances to give them all these awards. Yeah. Next up, let's go, Marriage Story.
2: Woo. I really really want Marriage Story to take out best actor and best actress for Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Driver especially is going to win an Oscar one day and while I love Joaquin Phoenix just as much he's given better performances in other movies before whereas Marriage Story is Driver at his best. This film is so great and so powerful and I would love if it won though I know its chances are slim. But I think the way it puts you in the corners of both characters and the way the story takes you far deeper into the depths of sadness than like anyone was expecting really creates an experience that isn't about whether or not you're enjoying the film on a surface level. It's more about how it's affecting you. And it's so powerful and I'm so grateful this film exists. What awards would you guys like to see it take home?
3: I love the way at the end of all of AJ's um clips it's just like... Throws
1: us the question that we don't answer. <laughs>
3: um... Okay, so Marriage Story. Jess hasn't seen this. Um, I went to go. I saw it in a cinema, and then I said, "Jess, you are not emotionally equipped to watch this movie."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am not stable enough. <laughs>
3: um, yes, Aaron, you, you you've seen half of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've yeah I've got up to an hour to go.
3: Right, nice. Uh, okay, well then, because this the the reason I, I especially wanted you to watch this movie is that it's such an actors and a writer's film, and as both of those Mm. tell me what what you thought
0: um i think it's a great it's phenomenally well written um and also because i'm also an actor and i kind of understand like it it's really a film that appeals to me a lot because of you know like the nature of who they are and the kind of uh you know it's like a it's like a meta movie it's like a movie about movies or a movie about people yeah yeah yeah, it's it's uh, because
3: it's not only is it like it's a movie to um you know focus on like how good the acting is but it's actually about actors as well (laughs) exactly
0: um yeah what was i gonna say yeah i really love the writing i love how uh there's that kind of slow decay where you know at the start they're really pleasant to each other and you can kind of see and trace and believe Mm. every one of the steps that kind of leads them to ultimately you know hating each other or yeah exploding at one another um Mm. Yeah, I really love Adam Driver's performance. Um, I think it's understated. Um and it's different to him as well. Like it's it's it is a kind of classic Adam Driver um performance, but also his like weird, kind of soft, anal, intelligent character is kind of a little bit different to his usual, like, I guess you call them blokes or like mm. you know, like he he has a quite a a masculine kind of energy, whereas yeah. I would say that this is like less masculine
3: yeah yeah it's a lot a lot more like vulnerable yeah um yeah which is cool and i agree with aj that he is going to win an oscar one day mm. but then at the same time it does feel like this is like the perfect adam driver oscar movie
0: yeah that's true um but you know i guess it's kind of the timothy chalamet thing as well yeah. you know like who's who's to say whether he might you know who's to say he he gets a role that's completely different to like this and that's mm. how he you know finally does his leo and proves that he's finally yeah. done enough you know to jump through those hoops yeah
3: but his career is still so young as well and to to be already nominated for two year, two oscars in back-to-back years is, is pretty amazing um but yeah, oh man, the script is is phenomenal, and it's like even the way the way it's shot is super interesting as well. It's like quite flat, and it's in a weird aspect ratio as well. where like, there's the sides a letterbox, but it's not quite four by three, mm. um, because it, it really wants you to be able to focus on like people's faces and and stuff like that. And it's and it's an interesting movie because it is, uh, it's like a it's in some ways it's a love story. It's a story about about love, and um, Noah uh, Noah Baumbach who Bonbach who directed it and and wrote it, um, his way of sort of explaining it is like you, if something works the same way, like works correctly every day, you don't think about it. But then say, if your car breaks down after working every day, that's when you actually open the hood and go, okay, what actually is the problem here? How does this thing work? And he said that like when a marriage breaks down, it's kind of the same thing. It's a chance to actually look at what made it tick. Um, And then that, that's such an interesting way of, of putting it. And yeah, you know, he's got He went through a divorce, um, as well. Although this movie, spoilers for Marriage Story, doesn't see Adam Driver have to write Madagascar Three: Europe's Most Wanted to pay for his divorce, which Noah Hulme <laughs> did in real life. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. This movie made me really, really sad. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Um, and it, it is funny as well that uh, I sort of mentioned before about how. All, all the the acting awards seem to be locked in, um, and but I would say Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are like number two for best actor and best actress, and on a different year they would have won easily both of those awards i think
0: yeah i don't know that scarlett johansson's um performance strikes me as like an obvious candidate for like best actor you know what i mean like it feels really muscular like it Mm. feels like she's acting it you know um but yeah i don't know it's not like a meryl streep performance where she's like transformed herself right, you know what yeah. i mean and and in that sense i would say it doesn't stand out as like an obvious candidate but mm. you know like it's great and obviously you know with the 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 two performances that she's nominated for she's proved that she is you know a, a, an incredibly capable yeah. gifted actress
3: and then what about um because laura dern is going to win best supporting actress um what do you what do you think of her character in the film
0: uh, i don't know i just really don't know like I don't know if I don't like the performance or you I don't, don't like the the, the character. The character, yeah, hundred um, percent. There's something so annoying about it, and I'm not sure whether that's like the energy she's bringing to the character, or that's like that's how the character should be. Yeah, and the character is just I, real annoying.
3: I do think she's playing the character perfectly, and like, although I, I it is really interesting because I was talking about this movie with um, two female friends of mine, and I said about how I I kind of would have liked it to be. Like I, I thought, it was weird that they clear, so clearly made Scarlett Johansson like the villain of the movie, mm. and they were like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like she did nothing wrong throughout the entire film, and I was like, "Oh," but um, I I think my like my issue with the like fairness of the movie, I guess, is that we're told Adam Driver did some shitty things, but we're shown Scarlett Johansson doing shitty things, um, and we're tell ta- and being told this is justified because you did this before the movie started
0: mm. and also in in some ways you know like uh, scarlett johansson's lawyer is unlikable and so by proxy like in some ways scarlett johansson becomes makes her less, side like, well, unlikable. Yeah, yeah exactly her argument whereas like you know his lawyer is just this like simple nice yeah, guy Almoda, yeah you know like just trying to just trying to do his job you know yeah. like why not give her that lawyer and give him the like
3: yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's an it's an interesting thing. But Laura Dern, I think, brings this Laura Dern energy to do it to yeah. it in a way. And I I do get it. I think because as there was it was a buzzed about performance, and before I saw the film, they were like, "It's from the moment she stepped on screen, I knew she was winning an Oscar." And so I was expecting like a, a J.K. Simmons and Whiplash kind of like super in your face kind of thing. And um, yeah, then I was just like, "Oh, yeah, she's just playing kind of like she's just really embodied this character." Um. But yeah, I think this this could win original screenplay as well. Because mm. um, it is a fucking well-written movie. Yeah. Um, but alright, let's um, and for the sake of brevity
1: Can I ask a quick question? Yes. Mm. Did you guys see any of yourself in those characters?
3: Uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but yes. And I think that's what made me so sad. 100%. 100%. Actors.
1: Am I right? Yeah. Um- <laughs> well, it's just like
0: it's that kind of ego thing that it talks about you know
3: yeah i um yeah it's interesting because i i, I studied as an actor and i studied as actors together mm-hmm. and i've kind of moved more into directing in my life and and so there there's a lot of things that i did identify with with adam driver's character and watching it and seeing all these like acting workshops and shit, I, I always find that so funny now watching it um because it's such an absurd world <laughs> to like to be an actor, mm. um. But there's a lot of elements of the the divorce that like there's a there's a few like super idiosyncratic things that I've had very similar situations happen to me, and it was like, ah oh, fuck, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, um. Yeah, so that's marriage story. Uh, yeah, th- this is another one as well that I think when it came out, it was like this is a front runner for best picture, and now it's kind of fallen by the wayside of the campaign trail and i think that's partly to do with the academy and hollywood still bias against netflix um and because when it came out i was like this is super interesting to see if because i thought the irishman was probably going to win and i was like it's gonna be interesting to see if they like scorsese more than they hate netflix but i guess they hate netflix more um okay final film to talk about the big one it's the most nominated film at 11 nominations it's Joker.
2: I think Joker has earned its best actor nomination in Joaquin Phoenix and its cinematography is also really great uh, but I'm not really sure it should have been nominated for best picture and it definitely shouldn't have been nominated for best director and I think Todd Phillips really farted his way into an insane amount of success and has proven with his statements that he really has no idea what he's doing which really makes the idea that this film is an intelligent character study of disenfranchised white men seem a lot less intentional and a lot more superficial. I think I think most of what this film does well the scorsese work it's influenced by did way better and the completely ignored uncut gems almost feels pushed out of the bed by this one especially with best picture and best director it's funny though i never thought i would be the kind of guy wishing the academy would ignore a comic book movie when they've been treated so unfairly at the oscars in the past but i guess the dark knight walks so that this movie could run right which of its staggering 11 awards of which it's nominated for do you guys think it will win
3: all right thank you aj you will now not be heard again on this podcast (laughs) but you will be here in spirit um yeah joke it so this film yeah it is it's 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 hard because it's like there's a there's a type of person that this is their favorite movie of the year and i'm not even talking about the like the the gamers rise up kind of white man it's like if you don't watch that many movies you're not that involved in um you know the the kind of discussion around todd phillips and and all that like and like do we really need this movie um that it's like yeah you watch this it's a it's a reasonably mainstream movie and you go and you'd be like yeah fuck it this is the best film of the year and i fully understand that i i'm not i think aj's kind of uh more on the other side like it's aware of the the kind of controversy around it do we really need a movie about a disenfranchised white man um And that's kind of what he was touching on there. And I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. It's like, it's not a perfect film, but the controversy doesn't, uh, you know, ruin it or like shape my opinion of it in any way um, that much. It's like, it is a very well-made film. Joaquin Phoenix is really good in it. Um, And yeah, I mean, is that enough or do we need to look at it through that lens? Do you think?
1: I agree with everything that you have said about like the content of the film It is a good film. The performances are incredible. I do not think this is the right time for this film because it didn't give enough of a social commentary for the state of the world right now. You know, you at the, I think it's too many people are going to see it and you know, sympathize with the Joker. And we have enough of those right now. And, like, I think that's where the controversy comes in. And, I mean, there are all those interviews with um, Todd Phillips talking about, you yeah. know, how, you know, oh, people pick a film and then they, you know, decide to, you know, demonize it and you know, say that all this shit's going to happen because of it. Mm. But I think that's incredibly naive for him to say.
3: Uh, yeah, I do think the pre-release media of this film was disgusting. That, like the me like the media really wanted a mass shooting yeah like that was very clear and it was kind of gross that that they- well, was really gross that you know it was like oh joker's gonna cause the mass shooting and people go no it's not and they go well we'll, we'll-, we'll see we'll see um and then they-, they didn't really get anything to pin on it which was like great <laughs> you know <laughs> best case scenario yeah um but I, mean, I guess we're not out of the woods here <laughs> um there, there is a lot to be said for like the technical achievement of this movie, and it does deserve um, the to be nominated for a lot of the ones it is cinematography. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, obviously, but yeah, I, I can understand why everyone's like take Todd Phillips out of best director because, uh, I mean, I, I almost think less that um, not, not even so much that. It's not one of the best directed films of the year or he's he's not one of the best direction directors of the year, but just like it's not the kind of behavior we want to encourage. Mm. Um, almost like, yeah, the, the interviews, were like he kept just putting his foot in his mouth on the campaign, on the um, press tour for this movie, like talking about how he, he gave up doing comedy because he's like, yeah, go try and make a comedy in today's woke culture. Mm-hmm. He, said, he said that's why the best guys have left. And it's like, it's it's really funny and perfect that he used the word guys as well. Um, but He
1: says in the age of the great John Mulaney.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. Like, like John Mulaney is a perfect example of how y- you don't have to be political. Like, he tells one political joke in his entire his He has wholesome career. AF and it is, yeah. is
1: hilarious and um, perfect.
3: But, yeah, Aaron, what, what did you think? Especially... I was going to say, especially from Agnes' perspective, but you look at it from whatever perspective you
1: want. Hey, you you, do
0: you, buddy. Um... (laughs) yeah i actually didn't hate this movie as much as i thought i would um like most people that i talked to about it really just despised it um Mm. i think there was a point where i was watching the movie and i think it's about halfway through where up until that point i was like man this is the potential to be a really like amazing interesting movie and then there was a point where it kind of like shifted and i was like oh yeah he doesn't really know what he's like dealing with in terms of like what he's trying to say with the movie and like how it's going to end up and yeah i I think what you've talked about, you know, the idea that like, first of all, the Joker never gets any kind of comeuppance. He's like, you know, basically celebrated by this crowd. And as to whether that's a fantasy or not, I guess is kind of um, Mm. a moot point. But he's at least portrayed to have been some kind of hero for like shooting some people, basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah. As a as an acting performance, I think you're right. I don't think it's working. Phoenix's best performance. I do think he is just like a stunningly good actor. Um. And it's just like, yeah, it's a fantastic performance. I think there are parts of it that are like, oh, God, do you really just get in a fridge? But also, like, <laughs> you know. There's the, a lot of parts where you wonder that. You know, like, oh, yeah, we just like rolled the camera and just said, do whatever you want. And then you just like got in the fridge. So we just put it in. It was like, oh, my God, he got in the fridge. Oh, yeah. You know, those sorts of things are kind of a little bit gratuitous. But then you think about it, go in that fridge yeah yeah if you were left alone on the camera with one take you probably wouldn't do that and yeah. that's like i don't know it's kind of a sign of an actor who's like working outside of himself yeah constantly yeah, that's a good point
3: yeah I, I do i do think it probably isn't joaquin's best performance given that his performance in the master is one of the greatest performances of all time in my mind yeah. um but it, it is funny because he's he's famously an actor that's like fuck the oscars but he seems to really be playing ball this award season like he's he's gone on Kimmel and he, he's like doing all the all the necessary bullshit and so it seems like uh he, he's either like come around and be like yeah we're we'll won an Oscar or he's got someone in his ear being like can, can you please just play ball for the studio hmm. um yeah. as
1: a writer Aaron hmm. um did you not just think this film was totally predictable
0: yeah well that's see that's the thing is that like up until a point i was like man this is actually this could be quite interesting like in the way that they were going and then it went down the like line and i was like oh i know what's gonna happen now
1: yeah yeah because i went in being like oh i think i know what this film's gonna be about and then it was exactly what i thought it was
0: yeah 100 percent. i think it, yeah having watched the like trailer i was like i know what happens in this movie and it delivered what was going to happen. But there was a point, yeah, I, I, at like halfway where it was like, this could actually be quite interesting. Mm. And it wasn't.
3: Mm. But, yeah, like, I do find it, um, and, and similar to Little Woman that it's like the, the conversation around these films has been reduced to one thing. For Joker, it's like, yeah, but what about the controversy? And for Little Woman, it's like, oh, yeah, and she was snubbed. And it's like. People aren't even talking about the film anymore. They're talking mm. about these mm. political statements that they're, that they're making or that the the world is making to them. Um, and it's like it, it, it maybe does send the wrong message that it's the most nominated film of the year. And I don't it think it deserves it. Definitely doesn't deserve um, to be. No. But a lot of the things it's nominated and I'm like yeah it probably is in the top five um but it just happens to be all these ones there, there, there is a few that um let's go through and see what it's nominated for Joker film editing it's like yeah sure okay whatever makeup and hairstyling oh because they just put fucking green <coughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: They Um, had a camera test and they didn't fuck it up. They got the um, green right.
3: Like cinematography, yeah, deserves that. That was really well shot. Um, Costume design, it's a period piece. Mm. So whatever. Uh, What else you got? Sound mixing, sound editing. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. It's a a comic book movie. (laughs) Yeah. And then you've got, um, is it nominated for a screenplay? Yes, it is. I I don't think Uh, it deserves a screenplay nomination. Um,
1: Yeah. It was just all right.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, pr- probably probably. if you took out screenplay and director, I think it would be like, because that would bring support- it into, because I think yeah. there's three tied for 10, and this would make it like fourth. Mm. Um, and, and so it's like, at least you, like, you're not saying, this is the most nominated film of the year, and you're also taking away the two kind of like most like, well, that probably doesn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I know I've kind of been all over the place with talking about this film, but I think my thing is that it's a really well-crafted film, but it's just kind of- yeah eh, like Mm. It's, there's some really good stuff on it but overall it's like yeah it's, it's not the best film of the year i don't think
0: definitely man i heard a, a podcast about the cinematographer talking about all the stuff that he did and he like created his own um like app so that mm. he could like store all of the kind of um films that he like were kind of the like test cases yeah. or inspirations yeah and like all of that stuff and yeah it sounds like an incredible amount of work and thought yeah. and effort it goes went into the cinematography
3: yeah, and um, the other thing as well is like it's um, uh, similar to what AJ said about uh, Tarantino that like, and I think he said about this as well that yeah, like a lot of these ideas are done better in the the works it's kind of inspired by like it's essentially a remake of King of Comedy, mm. which is a fucking good movie
0: and Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah,
3: um, but because because King of Comedy is about a guy who threatens a talk show host to get on his show and the comedian it's about a comedian who threatens a talk show host the comedian is played by robert de niro and in this one the talk show host is played by robert Robert de niro so it is it is like a fun bit of thing and also um there's a scene in both movies where they they like practice their talk show appearance to an empty chair and so for for video for making a video about how it's similar that's a fucking gold mine (laughs) (laughs) um so that's all the films. Ugh. Okay, so now let's. Uh, that's kind of all your films. That's your guide to the Academy Awards, the Best Picture ones. So you can you can pretend that you've seen them and just copy our opinions, or maybe I don't know, make it real, do whatever you want. Maybe you um, hate
1: all of our opinions and yeah. you can make your own.
3: Yeah.
0: Hot take for you.
3: Um, Hot take. Hate all your opinions. <laughs> uh, okay, so now I think yeah, let's just quickly kind of go through what all the nominations are, and um, so Best VFX, Visual Effects. Uh, we've got. Avengers: Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Rise of Skywalker. I feel like like The Irishman's kind of funny that it's in there when it's got so much <laughs> flak for its staging. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this has to go to Endgame. Yeah, Like Yeah, film editing. Ford V Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Parasite. Um, I mean, yeah, Jojo and, and Parasite did win big awards, f- like given by editors. So that's that's like an, an interesting one. But I mean. Yeah, like it seemed like the Irishman was the favorite for this, but I could this this is one of those ones because this will be one of their first awards in the night. Mm-hmm. If this goes to Parasite, this that, that, that's that a good sign. Potentially means really big things for it. Yeah, mm. or it could be like Mad Max where it wins all their technical awards and then stops winning awards halfway through the night. Yeah, um,
1: I think I would like to
3: see Parasite win that.
1: Agreed, but mm.
3: then also like I, I I could see Ford v Ferrari taking that home as well.
1: And also like you said, like nineteen seventeen had its you know moments as well. So I I wouldn't yeah. be upset if that one
3: I was not nominated. So. Oh, <laughs> um, so there would be a surprise.
1: Hey AJ, can you cut that out? So I <laughs> don't sound dumb. Cool things.
3: Um, best costume design. We've got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, once again, all period pieces. Uh, because uh, which is although Black Panther won last year, which mm. made it the first contemporary film since. 1993 to win the war i would
1: like to see little woman win this i thought it was lovely yeah
3: i um again this this is one of those ones where i feel like if once upon a time in hollywood wins it that's like it it, mm. it could do really well like the, these these initial awards yeah, on the night are no. like i like is is once upon a time in hollywood gonna do a real a massive sweep because the the oscars t- tend to have one award- one film wins like four or five awards at least
0: um but also there's always that film that you're like "Ooh, best costume design this early in the night he's gonna take
3: it all <laughs> yeah and then that ends up and being there the yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i mean because normally you'd be like, yeah that's the period piece <laughs> it's that one but um they're all period yeah i would say i i would say it's between little women and what's my time in hollywood just because Little Women's the most classic period PC kind of one. And then Once Upon mm. a Time Hollywood is like a bit more of like a fun costume design.
0: Yeah. Although I could see Jojo Rabbit taking it out. I mean, I, even just for like the shoes moment, you know, those shoes become that's so true. iconic. That is
1: true. Uh,
3: makeup and here, styling. Bombshell Joker Judy 1917 Maleficent Mistress of Evil. I, th- I think this one's going to Bombshell because of that, the, the transformation of Charlize Theron into Megan Kelly. Oh, yeah. that's That's one of those classic like you know, this is kind of going there. So, but hey, I don't know. Um, Cinematography, Irishman, Joker, Lighthouse, 1917, Once Upon a Hammer, Hollywood. We do need to talk about it.
0: Although I do have a soft spot for the cinematography in Joker, to be honest Mm. with
3: you. Yeah. Now that you've listened to that podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Also, Lighthouse's only nomination. That was one of those movies that everyone was like, give it heaps of awards. And Uncut Gems got none, which um, is on Netflix now, if you're- um, Ah, good to know.
1: That is a massive snub.
3: Yeah. Adam Sandler should have got a Best Actor nomination for that. That would have been- Like, again, that's one of those- The Academy loves good stories to like- like oh you know it was their first win and all, like all that kind of stuff uh production design irishman jojo 1917 hollywood parasite again this is a this is a, a key win for parasite i parasite. think it, it, it wins it um because the production design is like super so key. cool in it
1: and it's so key to like it, it, yeah, it is oh but God, it's, it's not it's not
3: showy whereas like once my time in hollywood ch- um, transformed hollywood boulevard so that's like I, I I think this is this could be one of the ones where it'll go to Hollywood or Parasite and that'll tell you what wins best picture because it's like, are they actually awarding um, like the most, the, the best of the nine? They're actually going full fledged on Parasite or are they just circle jerking once upon a time in Hollywood and, and Hollywood itself? Yeah. So keep an eye for that one. That's an interesting one. Um, sound mixing and sound editing. Again, these are just both going to 1917. Although I think Ford v Ferrari, has the potential to take one of them out,
0: but I don't know which one. <laughs> um, Is that because like me, you don't still don't really understand the <laughs> difference between sound mixing yeah, and sound editing. Yeah. The,
3: um, the Academy has written to the like sound, um, uh, like, you know, division of Hollywood and said, Hey, we're thinking about uh, just making one best sound award. Um,
1: they will not be happy about that. Mm-hmm.
3: Because, I mean, like, because make I've seen, I think probably said this last year. Makeup and hairstyling are two very different crafts, but they just you know they just makeup and hairstyling, and we just say yeah, sure, those four together. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think sound is easier to be like yeah, yeah, it's all just sound. Yeah. But also, I just found out the other day, do you know, that um at the I think for two years, I think it was like the third and fourth Academy Awards that the awards for best sound design or like it was just best sound um went to like. For, like, for 2019, the best sound nominees are Universal Studios Department of Sound, Paramount Department of Sound. Like, it just went to the studio's sound department <laughs> and not, like, for a specific film what? or anything. It was just, who did the best sound this year?
0: I've seen all <laughs> your movies. It's
3: original song. Again, Again, this one, there's the song by Elton John from Rocketman that he did. Um, It's Elton John and Bernie Taupin. They got a standing ovation when they... We're on stage together because they they they're very rarely seen in public together, um. So I think this is like
0: yeah, it's definitely gonna be that yeah
3: lockdown. Um, original score, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Star
0: Wars. Uh, it feels like it could be 1917, but also the one thing I would say about 1917's score is that it seems like it's kind of a copy of Dunkirk, hundred yeah, percent. It's
3: it, yeah, it's yeah, it, it derives a lot from it, and um, Joker won the did she win the 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 woman who composed joker joker soundtrack won a golden globe i can't remember if it was for a work on chernobyl that's i think it was for chernobyl um but this one actually i think could go to john williams for star wars because it like as like a legacy win for his work on all of star wars Mm. even though rise of sky is fucking terrible um yeah this this one i'd say there's a few that stand quite a, quite a good chance. Um, but, I mean, it, w- it would be kind of cool to see John Williams recognized for his work on Star Wars.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
3: Um, okay, animated short. Uh, I don't really know much of these. There's uh, Daughter, Hair Love, Kitbull, Memorable, and Sister. Um, the, uh, Hair Love is a really nice film. Yeah. It's about, like, have you seen it? No. Uh, it's, it's like about this, this father um, who's essentially like learns how to do his daughter's hair so that he can, like, be a good dad. It's just, it's just quite a nice little thing. It's available online. <laughs> <laughs> uh, live action short film. I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't know any of these Brotherhood, Nefta Football Club, Neighbor's Window, Saria, and a Sister.
0: Couldn't tell you, but. Oh, C- uh, yeah. It's, it's a very tight race. Oh, it's a tight race. <laughs> um, yeah. No, couldn't tell you, but they're always, they're always incredibly well made films.
3: Yeah. Although, d- the the one
0: that won last yeah, year yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, skin yeah, one there.
3: yeah um which uh look up the plot of skin the um best live action short film from last year because it's you think that um green book is the worst um, <laughs> your, like commentary on race <laughs> of 20, 2018 Poor oh boy um best documentary short substitute so, short subject again i don't know all these ones but in the absence learning to skateboard on a war zone life overtakes me saint louis superman walk run cha-cha uh, could go to any of them I like the the name St. Louis Superman
0: I could be wrong but I feel like learning to skateboard in a war zone is if you're a girl, you're a girl is maybe directed by a New Zealander Carol Dysinger uh, maybe I'm wrong I feel like recently I saw that she was there was a woman who had created a um, short film about um, yeah about a girl who was into skateboarding No, maybe it's not.
3: Maybe it is. Who knows? It's hard to find information on these people.
0: Um, They don't tend to be uh, big famous people creating shorts. Yeah. Unlike Taika Waititi. who turned his nomination into he became famous he? <laughs> yeah and peter capaldi <laughs> yeah exactly um
3: so uh best international feature film this isn't even a fucking competition but let's list them anyway corpus christi from poland honeyland from uh, uh Tur- macedonia and turkey uh la mazarab and uh from france instead of portrait of a lady on fire which was one of the best films of the year um although i haven't seen la mazarab so it could be even better um it's 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 like it's just the title it's not actually an adaptation of the story um pain and glory uh from spain which is really good and but it doesn't it pales in comparison to parasite uh, which obviously is going to win because it's the only one nominated for any other awards. 100% um okay best animated feature film this is my one for the year that i'm like super passionate like i I know it's going to win, but I have one that I would love to win. So how to train your dragon, the hidden world. I lost my body, which is a Netflix film class, which is also a Netflix film, missing link and toy story four. So missing link won the golden globe, which was a big surprise win. Um, how to train your dragon. It's like uh, one of those things. It's one of those things where you, it, this could win a legacy award for the, for the franchise, but um, it's going to go to toy story four, just because animation um, animations, typically the, like just goes to the one they've heard of although interestingly frozen 2 not nominated um yeah which i mean i'm not not saying it deserves it but it's for for um you know the oscars um however okay i will say i lost my body is a really cool film it's um it's about a a detached hand that's trying to make its way back to its owner and it's also like it's a it's about loss and all the stuff but it's and it kind of tells the story using the parallels of this hand and um it's like the animation is quite, quite coolly done and, and it's um, it's a super indie kind of thing. However, Klaus, holy fuck, what a good movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen Klaus? No. Nah. Oh, my God. if you, If you're listening to this or you're in this room and you haven't seen Klaus, go watch it. It's so, so fucking good like so we we cover if you haven't listened to the episode we cover um netflix christmas movies on this podcast which are normally um you know have vanessa hudgens in them and they're like some shitty like hallmark romance and then one of them is this animated movie class and, we, and i was like okay it actually looks kind of good and they watched it, and i was like this isn't just good for like netflix it's not just good for christmas this is a fucking good movie it's like the animation is beautiful. It's a traditionally like it's a two D animated film, but it looks like it's kind of like into the Spider Verse, like that two and a half D, like really nice use of shading and everything like that. Um, and it's just the most beautiful story. It's a Christmas film. It's about it kind of tells the origin of Santa Claus. Um, and you could you could show this to your like four year old, and it wouldn't like spoil the myth of Santa. And but it, but it also doesn't like talk down to you and be like hey kids Santa's real like it, it finds this perfect balance and it's one of the best films of the year definitely the best animated film of the year in my opinion um and that's the one that I'm gonna go fucking mental if it wins <laughs> um so uh adapted screenplay Irishman Jojo Rabbit Joker Little Woman and the two popes um, uh Kiwi uh, Anthony McCartan yeah for the two popes yeah the, this interesting one because I feel like yeah, Tiger stands not too bad a chance for Jojo Rabbit, um, based on Caging Skies. um, But I think probably Little Women for this yeah. one, um, just because it is, like, the Academy, even though they didn't nominate her, they do really like Little Women and, and Greta Gerwig. And it's, like, a, a updating a classic novel as well, and not, like, not modernizing it, but just kind of, like, a new, a fresh take on it.
0: Reinvigorating it. Yeah,
3: and I think that that's, like, kind of- a lot of the critics are saying that that's like one of the one of the best things about it is mm. this this fresh take. Um, original screenplay: *Knives Out*, *Marriage Story*, *1917*, *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, and *Parasite*. Um, the, uh, it's interesting. *1917* nominated when it's not really like known for its
0: script. Yeah, exactly. But, I can imagine what that screenplay looks like. Mm. It's just like and they walk through the mud and then and then it's, else it's
3: twenty minutes later. Yeah. Um, yeah it is interesting because that's one of those ones that the fact that it's nominated for that is like like we were saying about how that's a key like these are key wins for Parasite once upon mm-hmm. Hollywood. that's almost a key even the nomination is key because it's like it's really hard to win without at least a nomination for screenplay yeah um unless you know it's like the artist I think um which might have even had one um but yeah I mean I, I would have said and I think I did say earlier on that Marriage Story probably stands to get a pretty good chance but yeah, it feels like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. It does feel like a very tight category though. I mean probably mm. Knives Out or 1917 you'd say would be out of the running, but I really love the the screenplay for Knives Out. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I I would say probably Marriage Story or Parasite to be honest with you. I don't know if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know. I just don't mm. know.
3: Yeah, it's another one of those like. Yeah, I mean if the academies go on gung ho on once upon a time in Hollywood, it will win this. Mm. Um, Okay, now it's interesting getting to best actor, best actress, supporting actor, and supporting actress, because these are as locked as they've ever been going into it. So uh, let's go supporting actress. We've got Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Woman, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Uh, This is going to Laura Dern. um, And if there's a surprise upset, it's going to go to Margot Robbie for Bombshell. She's she's second place. Interesting. Essentially, um, you don't think Florence Pugh is second place? Uh, in my heart, she's first place. She's first uh, by um, a mile. Uh, and I mean, even even ScarJo and um and JoJo Rabbit, Scar Jojo Rabbit. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, supporting actor Tom Hanks in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in Two Pipes, Pacino and Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, this is just going to Brad Pitt, no question about it. Um, although. I think probably Joe Pesci is still second. So if there, if there is an upset for any of these, you know, I'll... uh, best actress Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, the only, um, person of color nominated, um, Scarlett Johansson for marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for little women, Charlize Theron for bombshell and Renee Zellweger uh, for Judy. Again, this is going to Renee Zellweger. However, I would say Scarjo and Charlize are tied for second. Hmm. Uh, best actor Antonio Banderas, pain and glory uh leo and once upon a time in hollywood adam driver in marriage story joaquin phoenix and joker and jonathan price in the two pipes uh joaquin phoenix is winning this however i would say adam driver is second um it's interesting because this uh happened two years ago when uh the winners were francis mcdormand sam rockwell um allison janney and gary oldman that it was like they won every single award leading up to it and it's like you know it's it's not even a competition
0: yeah really is that what happened this year as well yeah it's like
3: they've they all four of them have won everything
0: yeah um it's kind of a shame really when you get to that level of consensus
3: yeah it, is, it makes it a lot less exciting but because like um what well, yeah like because there's a couple of them that you would think you know groups of actors would pick differently but even them they're Mm. picking the same because um in that 2017 year there was a couple of ones that picked timothy chalamet over gary oldman but i mean it was still pretty much going to gary oldman Mm. um whereas this year it's like they're all just going to the same one and and i think it's you know people being like yeah brad brad's always great yeah let's let's give him this one um and so i think there is a couple like that joaquin's the same um all right best director uh man scorsese for the irishman todd phillips for joker sam mendes for 1917 quentin tarantino for once upon a time in hollywood and bong Jun ho for parasite i mean yeah this is an interesting one I, It, i feel like scorsese and phillips are out
0: yeah yeah even in my heart of hearts they're probably yeah. out
3: but um yeah mendes tarantino and, and bong this could go to any of them yeah it could be any of
0: them has bong won any sort of major ones coming into the race
3: um well because things like the the palm door and and stuff go to um go to the filmmaker i think like like it's it's the same way in this yeah they go to the producers yeah um but i mean let's have a look uh to see if um international awards um best director oh he's got a few like pending ones really right um nominate yeah didn't win for the directors guild which i guess is a big one yeah let's see who won that i'm guessing sam Mendes. Yeah, Sam Mendes won that for 1917. Um, so he probably yeah, is a lot. I'd say yeah, he, he's yeah. probably. A, I I keep kind of forgetting about how how much 1917 is like a favorite at this Oscars. Um, because you don't think it's that amazing a movie, or well, I think I think it's just because I've always been like, once a time, Hollywood's going to win it, and in my heart, I'm like, I want Parasite to win it. Hmm. But I forget that like, there is a massive like um, push for. 1917 and so for best picture we've already covered these but V ferrari the irishman jojo rabbit joker little woman marriage story 1917 once upon a time in hollywood and parasite
0: having not seen parasite i would say i'd like once upon a time in hollywood to win Mm -hmm. but probably i would be more than happy if parasite won if if nothing else because it's actually an interesting choice and probably Mm, the right choice it would be the
3: first um ever foreign film to win wow yeah um foreign language film i should say um, because the artist is a French film, but it only has one line of dialogue and yeah, it is in English. Um, yeah, so uh, ooh, yeah, I would say Nineteen seventeen, once upon a time in Hollywood and Parasite. Although a lot of people are saying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is out of the race. Um, but uh, I'm still iffy about it.
1: I want Parasite to win, but I think it'll go to nineteen seventeen. Interesting. Hot take. Hot take. I don't want to put out Into the Universe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I just fucking don't want that to All
3: happen. right. So, hey, that's the Oscars. Woo! So, we are looking to do uh, similar, the same thing what we did last year. We're actually, yeah, we've got a podcast coming out the same day as the Oscars. So, um, once the Oscars are done, we are looking to do a quick kind of wrap up about the Oscars. Um, and then yeah a debrief and then uh the following week after that actually we'll be doing a oscars of the 2010 so we'll be creating our own um nominees for all of the 2010s um but we've, we we're going to do it start of the year but we figure we'll save uh until after we know what the academy picked for um this for the last academy awards of the decade uh yeah so uh, the, and then Film Franchise we will be back We're taking a, a pretty large break from it This year for some reason uh, And you'll find out why When it's back in a few weeks uh, Aaron, thanks so much for coming Thank you very much for having me Yeah, And thanks for taking your time out of your, your busy, busy work schedule to, uh, to, to watch the movies Hey, you're welcome, man <laughs> You're welcome It was a pleasure And um, so Okay, bye Without further ado Uh, goodbye and good luck to all the films nominated apart from the ones that I don't want to win Jeez, AJ, that was a pretty dark note to end the podcast on, uh, but that was borderline racist. <laughs> but I mean, oh, I guess here we are. I mean, thank you if you're still listening. Um, mm. I apologise to anyone offended by um, the content of that that yeah. we just ended that podcast on. Um, so anyway, this is our new live segment: the uh, the post-credit scene where we uh, react in real time. Um, at the same time as the uh, as we do the rest of the podcast. Anyway, this is yes. the thing. Uh, what is it, Aj? So yeah, the, the over
2: on Patreon.com slash Cole those who donate $5 or more are allowed to send us a question or a challenge or whatever for a post-credit scene um, for us to discuss. And this one comes to us from Josiah Langen, and he asks a very simple question, Richard. Is it better to watch movies with friends or alone?
3: Uh. I think it's it depends on it depends on the film and who and the people more essentially. Um, do you know Do you know what's a really bad type of movie to watch alone? Something like The Room.
2: Well, yeah, actually, and I did watch that alone. Um, mm, no, I watched. I, I think comedies. <laughs> mm. I think comedies are real bad to watch alone because you don't laugh as much. And for years, I thought I didn't like comedies just because I watched them by myself <laughs> and we just wouldn't laugh as much as I would with people. I remember there was the movie Our Idiot Brother with Paul Rudd. Mm. I remember watching that by myself and not thinking it was very good, and then watching it with a group of friends and just thinking it was way better because everyone was laughing way more at it. Um, so, yeah. here's an example. Uh, I don't like going to the cinema
3: by myself. I will probably not do it. Interesting. I I've gotten into it. Um, I've I've done I've done it a few mm. times. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it, again. It depends on the- I don't know that I go to. Oh, actually, I went to BookSmart by myself. Um, yeah. But I, uh, yeah, yeah. Comedies are definitely the weakest ones to watch. And it's an interesting phenomenon that, like, if I watch even like say a YouTube video that I found quite funny watching alone, but I didn't necessarily laugh out loud. And then I show Jess or something like that, I'll be, like, pissing myself laughing. And it's weird how just, like, the comfort of having someone else there allows you to hmm. let out laughter, even though it's, like, a an, an involuntary response yeah, yeah. In, in some ways. Yeah, I think that it's, like, um yeah, movies alone. There are certain movies that I would rather watch alone than with certain people as well. Like people that i know are going to talk all the yeah. way through it or i know are going to distract me uh oh, yeah. but then yeah there are other movies that i don't want to pay that much attention to um something like a cinderella story princess uh, christmas wish um uh, which we watch together and it's i'm yeah. so i would much prefer to watch that with you so that we can make fun of it together rather than having to actually focus on it <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'd say I'm an extrovert at heart, so I I probably, by and large, prefer to watch movies with people than by myself.
0: Hold up. What was that?
3: Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.